0: Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX.
1: All right, we're off and running. It is a Saturday morning home improvement show. This is a wonderful thing happening. We've got so many things happening here. This is the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show two hours today, a great addition. We're going to have good weather, warm temperature, clear skies. Uh, Well, according to Brian Kelly, it's going to be hot temperatures. So much to talk about, maybe a little bit of air conditioning, cooling, ventilation, rooms too hot, probably not too many rooms too cold. But in the wintertime, the ones that are too hot in the summer usually are Too cold in the winter, same old thing, underserved by air or not enough insulate. We can talk about all of that. Uh, My name is Scott Mosby. I am part of Mosby Building Arts. This is our 72nd year. I'm not that old. I'm a second-generation builder, contractor, uh, designer. Frankly, I've had about every job you could have in the residential construction market. Um, And I love it. I mean... I get to work with creative people. I get to work with nice people. I get to build people's dreams. Uh, I call it getting paid twice. You know, they give us a big hug, high fives like, this is beautiful. Then they hand us a check. I can't, you know, I can't believe it. I come down here to Camel X for two hours. I get paid to talk. Yeah, Think about that. I get... I talk anyway. Nobody listens, but anyway, I appreciate your joining me here. This is a two-hour edition of the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Two hours, 10 phone lines, all for you. My sole mission here today is to help you. Pretty simple. Uh, Bring whatever experience I have, knowledge, product knowledge, uh, experience, uh, help of the people that I work with, all my coworkers at Mosby Building Arts. It's a fun thing because uh, think of us as your research and development team. We try out all that new stuff. We run all over the country, going to seminars, learning. We are a learning organization. Everything we do at Mosby Building Arts is all about training. And uh, if you think about it, I, I was at a program some years ago, and you know, when I'm away from Cam Wex, I'm usually in some classroom somewhere, learning something related to this show. And it was an army a colonel describing that the army and the military was a training organization they said well we don't really get to test ourselves much we're training all the time you know we do have theaters of combat and such like that but for the most part We have to simulate everything. And I thought, wow. So anyway, that was a training program that we ran on how to structure training programs, how to run people through the classroom part, the hands-on part, and then how really to test and make sure that they're delivering uh, or performing exactly what in my world is, plan specifications, and creating at Mosby what we call lasting value. Does it stick? Does it really help the consumer? Does the homeowner get something or did you just do some work? And that's a difference in the specifications they say, you know, when you're going to do a project, whatever it is, home improvement, uh, home remodeling, design, car repair, that you speak as a consumer the outcome that you want. You know, if you want a 20 by 20 room edition, most companies will build a 20 by 20 room edition. You know, the, the way we go about things at Mosby is, well, who's going to use it? What time of the day will you occupy it? What are the age of those? How about the mobility of the people? Do you have multiple generations? Does the sun set in the west? Does that come through the windows? If that glares, do you come home, watch TV in the evening? Or are, you, are you on a computer? And does that sun bother you? Uh, what kind of heat gain? Are, do you like to be hot or cold? I mean, are, what are the temperatures of that? Are you allergic to anything? Are you left-handed or right-handed? Yeah, you kind of laughed. That's part of our world. Designing kitchens and bathrooms, left-handed and right-handed, matters. You know, which side you want to put the dishwasher on? Which side you want to put the cooktop on? Well, which side on a two-bowl kitchen sink? Which one gets the disposer and which one gets the work side? left and right-handed. Always a preference, uh, same old things, just like a custom suit. You go into a suit and you get it off the rack and then you have the tailor kind of move it around a little bit or you start with nothing and you just put it together. Well, think of it. That's kind of the difference between a custom kitchen where there are no rules. You just do whatever and you move walls and plumbing, heating, cooling, electrical structure, make that stuff fit the outcome. Or what's called a semi-custom kitchen in our world or bathroom or room addition, whatever, to where you kind of start with something and then you add a few uh, touches that are unique to that client. But for the most part, it's a standard type something, uh, like a 20 by 20 room addition. Uh, Well, tell me about the. Time of day, you're coming, all those sorts of things. Anyway, phone lines, 314-436-7900, 800-925-1120. So if you're out of the listening area anywhere in the globe and you have internet, you can tie into that on KMOX.com or radio.com. Great, great app here, 800 uh, 800- gets you from anywhere around the world and here in the St. Louis or the Midwest listening area, 314-436-7900. As I mentioned, uh, my name is Scott Mosby. I'm kind of thrilled. I'm in my, oh man, I I lost, uh, I think I'm in my 21st year. 21st year, so I've got 20 years behind me and working on my 21st year. Uh, I kind of like this. This is um, a lot of fun. And in a lot of ways, on a personal level, how this really feels good to me are the things that I learned from my father. You know, I was a punk kid, I w- knew it all, bulletproof, uh, you know, nothing could hurt me. But man, somehow, somehow my father had the skill to train enough into me and me to have enough just. Uh, desire to hear how things worked and why things worked. that you know much of what I share today on this home improvement show here from Helotech is really from my father so from Sam Mosby my dad and from me to you KMOX with the generosity of the Helotech foundation uh, home improvement show we're here for you, 314-436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120. So much happening here. We're going to get some phone lines when we uh, do a little business. News, weather, and sports, top of the hour. Lots of things happening. Rick Edelman show coming up today at 1 o'clock. Cards come on at 6 o'clock, Pirates and Cards, and lots of things happening, PNC in Pit- Pittsburgh. So uh, all here. It's a great day on CAMOX Midwest. I love it. Welcome. <laughs>
0: Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX.
1: All right, so much to talk about, so many good things. 314-436-7900, toll-free 800-925-1120. Scott Mosby at the helm as we launch and go down the Mississippi River south towards New Yeah, those of you that know New Orleans nollins that's how it's pronounced. Let's see what's cooking here, and let's go uh, right in order. Let's talk to Lou. Hey, Lou, Scott Mosby here. How can I help?
2: Yes, uh, we are considering installing some type of gutter cover on our house. Uh I just wondered if you had some general recommendations you could make regarding putting gutter covers over our existing gutters versus versus the one-piece gutter system
1: okay, uh Lou, it's it's all almost directly related to dollars. Uh, the one piece is the leaf guard. Uh, it's a great system. Uh, but if your gutters are in good shape, then you're kind of throwing away good gutters to get g- good gutters, and then you add the the hood system. Uh, I like it because it's a four sided box beam, so there's metal on four sides with this little hooded opening, so it's kind of a pretty rigid gutter tough to you know, make it not straight, if you will. Um, Then you get into gutter helmet uh, and other uh, add-on hood systems that go on top of existing gutters. The experience and the choice and design of adding those on, um, there are a lot of hood systems and kind of go with the names you recognize because of the experience. Uh, Hood systems, by definition, Lou, have a um, an issue with icicles. So, if you have two story house, and if your house isn't very well uh, insulated or or ventilated, to where your attic stays cold in the winter, which it's supposed to, so you don't have you know, melting snow that then drips and turns into icicles on the edge of your roof or the edge of your gutter system, hooded gutter system. So that's the downside. Inside uh, valleys where two roof angles come together, the more complex the roof is, the um, more hooded systems have uh, buildups in those valleys just like a screen system. Then you get to the screen systems. They're little bitty screens and regular screens, bigger holes, uh it, all of those pretty much take maintenance, and even the hooded system somewhat take maintenance unless you have no valleys. If you have no valleys, and uh, then you're in pretty good shape for whatever kind of hood, and that's that metal top thing, whether one piece or added. Uh, I like them all. They work for the most part. Uh, what you get the more dollars you spend is less maintenance. Uh, When you get down to the lower dollars and you get into screens and add in things on existing gutters, uh, the price goes down and the maintenance tends to go up. Uh, You have to kind of watch out for the freeze and the thaw because there's some of these uh, foam things that go into the gutters that actually work pretty well, but once the weather drops, you get moisture in there and you wind up with a solid block of ice 40 feet long or on front and back, you know, you've got a lot of weight and they no longer gather water. So you kind of have to watch yourself. There's, um, there's a lot of demand for these things. Um, so oftentimes they are sold products, which means, um, uh, pushy, um, clothes, uh, trying to get the sale as opposed to purchase things where, you know, what's the best thing. So, um, I I like them. I I have them on my house, love them. Um, it's a hooded system for me and you know, I have a hip roof. I have no valleys, so it's almost no maintenance. I wash them every now and again, like a car. Other than that, that's it. How's that help you. you? Very helpful. Thank you. Good Lou. Good luck there. Bye now. Okay. Bye. Bye. And and likewise, um, remodeling, construction uh, of any kind, um, dollars tend to buy time. So um, I try to – the fewer dollars you put on, the less risk the consumer has. So you as a homeowner. But generally, the less dollars you invest in a solution, the less time, longevity, or quality you get. So uh, for example, um, building the arch. You know, 600 and something feet tall, uh, has to be there for a couple hundred years. That's the design life. You know, that concrete goes down 30, 40 feet in the ground, 50, you know, whatever. So there's a ton of money invested in the length of time this monument will last. So as opposed to a doghouse, a few bucks here and there, white wood, don't worry about termites, you know, build it up, put it in the backyard, you're good. So, I mean, just keep in mind that uh, primarily remodeling dollars by quality, quality buys time. Uh, You still have to watch out for, you know, as consumers, because you have to, you know, buy from people that deliver the quality as opposed to just uh, disappear with the funds. Let's see what's cooking here and talk with Doug. Hey, Doug, my friend, Scott Mosby here. Good morning. How can I help?
3: Good morning, Scott. Appreciate your service. Yes, sir. Uh, In a residential HVAC system, Mm-hmm. What are the requirements in a three-bedroom home to have return air ducts in uh, bedrooms two and three?
1: Uh, no requirement in the bedrooms that I know of historically. And, and now you're, you're asking a specific question of a generalist. So uh, in my day, the um, air movement, I believe still, is the requirement that um, a return air could be in the hallway. But if it's in the hallway, then the transfer of that air has to be in the what we call the undercut of the door. So if you have a bedroom door that could be potentially closed, that's where you wind up with a door cut too short in order to deliver the free airspace, FAS, that the supply registers in that bedroom would then move it through the bedroom door and out into the hallway. My preference is a bedroom would have its recommended supplies by cubic feet and its own individual return. But, you know, that tends to be a little more costly. It's more effective. um, But it's, uh, you know, I'm not quite sure what the current building code is, Doug, to be real clear with you. Um, But historically, I don't like doors cut up. You know, inch and a half, two inches from the floor. It just looks like somebody messed up. Uh, so I'd rather okay. see the return airs in the bat in the bedrooms, never in the bathroom or the kitchen because of odors.
3: Right. Well, I've got bedrooms without return air, and I'm not sure the doors are undercut in an adequate manner for the uh, air transfer to occur.
1: Yeah. Well, do you close the doors at night when you're asleep? Um. I mean, there, there's personal well, uh, living preference. If you don't close the door, it doesn't matter. So for families right. that close doors at night when they're sleeping, that's where the too hot, too cold rooms tend to happen. And it's, it's still around air movement. So you've still got to get that air back to the furnace return duct uh, under right. the door, out in the hallway, or better yet, right in a bedroom. But it's not uncommon for, I'll bet half the houses listening here don't have return uh, registers in those bedrooms.
3: Okay. Well, I appreciate the information. Thank you for your service.
1: Doug, I would suggest call a heating and cooling contractor because um, even when you get the return airs in the house, um, most houses, even brand new, are still underserved on return air. Um, they just are, I don't know how that happens, but, uh, it is. And that, that's why the codes are getting more prescriptive in terms of do this, as opposed to backing off and saying, you know, I mean, in certain areas in, in that. So anyway, well, by
3: by calling an HVAC contractor, which I've been, uh, about to do because they are the ones that designed the system in this relatively new home. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that they would be all that receptive to making any kind of major corrections. I'm not sure what it could be.
1: Well, uh, Doug, I I will tell you that in a subdivision plan, the heating and cooling contractors don't have a whole lot of input. Um, The bids go out. uh, They're specified. They fit the code. Um, Building codes are by definition a minimum performance code, so they are not a... a, um, uh, result code. It's like this is what you have to have in the minimum. Um, So it depends. You, You get a custom build home, then those questions start flying back and forth between the contractor, the homeowner, and the heating and cooling. Well, what's the best place to put these things? How big can we make them? Of course, the heating and cooling contractor wants them enormous right in the middle of the living room. Well, that's not going to work for my wife and I as homeowners, but where can we put it? So, again, it's the amount of time uh, discussing, planning, designing, and redesigning that adds the value and the performance. And that's, you know, or you just like put in heating and cooling, you know, uh, properly served, per coat, all three bedrooms, Um you know what's your price so it's just a model of which and i don't mean to slam that i'm just saying that's just how to deliver very aggressive um you know consumer friendly prices or whether your model is make it work and then you know let's figure out how to pay for it that's a different that's a custom model versus mass production
3: right well understand and i thank you very much
1: okay doug good luck my friend thank you Scott Mosby, home improvement. Again, uh, th- th- you know, I see it. I- I've worn so many hats in in my career. Uh, you know, I started out picking up dirt and l- lumber out of the plumbing trench for my father when I would you know, have the go-to-work day with dad, You know, that was pretty cool. You know, my first paycheck was a quarter for one day at work with dad. I ran around and picked up lumber on the job site. He needed something to do with this five-year-old kid. Uh, and I thought it was the greatest thing in 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 the world and and still do it. As you can tell, it it still impressed me. So from that all the way through to leading an organization and actually structuring an organization that uh, it, it doesn't matter what your role is. It's the outcome, what's delivered that matters. And that means the designers and the craftsmen and the suppliers and the, and the client are all together on that team with a voice figuring out what the outcome is going to be you take any of those parties out of there, somebody's underserved. And you know, you're know you either going to talk about the problems before in the design stage or after, as in Doug's stage, of, you know, why, aren't, why don't I have enough return air? So, I mean, it, and it just, you know, kind of, it, it is what it is. So if you're building the arch and you have an enormous budget and you want it to last hundreds of years, you're going to spend more per square foot. Imagine what the cost per square foot of the arch is. So when I hear square foot, questions and, you know, what's a, what's a house cost per square foot? It's like, wow, what's a car cost per pound? You know, I mean, and what are we talking about? Are we talking about a custom made handmade automobile from overseas? Are we talking about, you know, uh, something that gets me just back and forth, you know, to school or to work? Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby here at the helm. I'm trying to interpret the world of home improvement, construction, design, as well as specifications slash consumer happiness right here on Camel (laughs) X.
0: Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX.
1: Oh, yes, it is. Saturday, home improvement, and it is a wonderful day in the neighborhood. Scott Mosby here, having more fun than I should, but hopefully you're coming along with me. Let's talk to Wayne. Hey, Wayne. Scott Mosby here. Good morning on Saturday. How can I help?
4: Hey, Scott. I appreciate the time, by the way. and love the show. Always have. Thank you. Um, We are. My wife and I are in the process of looking at a home in our town uh, that has a Helitech basement, was sealed two years ago by by a Helitech. Okay. And so that was one of the major reasons we really liked this setup. Uh But I've got a concern about something in the basement. I hope you can help me. Um, At the back of the property is a creek bed, and earlier this spring, when we had tons and tons of rain, the the rain got up to about level with the basement drains. And the southwest corner of the house uh, apparently got some water in it from this basement drain filling up with water from the creek bed. So the homeowner chose to cap off the drain. Whoa. Uh, They fixed the floor and they capped the drain. And so I've just got a concern about what this is going to do to the future. There's two other drains in the basement, and they both go to the same place down to this creek bed in the back of the property. About a half an acre is the size of the lot.
1: Now, are these flo- houses, <coughs> excuse me, floor drains, Wayne, or what kind of drain?
4: There are floor drains in the basement, and so house was built in 1991. Okay, um, and it's it's in great shape. There's no issues at all with the basement. They had some leaking, and that's why they used Helitech uh, to seal the basement, and then they also finished it off, and it looks very nice. But this this issue with the floor drain kind of concerns me. One of the the people that did the home inspection had told me that. That The reason they might have capped it off was because of possibly some odor coming out of that drain from that incident with the water. Well, but hey, my concern is, is in the future, what's going to happen if water comes back up that?
1: Okay, this is a big deal. Wayne, what, uh, are you on sanitary sewers or septic tank?
4: Um, huh? It's the sewer system. It's in town.
1: Okay. Uh, the sanitary sewer system should not ever drain into that creek. If you have floor drains that drain directly into that creek, uh, you have non-compliant floor drains. They are not um, sanitary sewer floor drains. Floor drains in the basement uh, and and shouldn't be. Um, Sanitary uh, floor drains in the house uh, go to the uh, central municipal water or the septic tank or whatever. So if the creek floods, uh, you may flood the backyard and have surface water but surface water until your MSD and, you know, the the river fills up and the whole city floods and there's no place for your sanitary floor drains to go, that's a different issue. Y- you shouldn't have any floor drain in that house that is directly affected from rising water in a rear creek, period.
4: Okay. And so when, do you know when that when that code would have been put in place. I mean I know it's probably oh, different for everywhere.
1: I know it was that it's been way a while. Bef- before the seventies, yeah. But but keep in mind you get out in the rural areas and, you know, logic says, you know, floor drain, you're just gonna have regular water. It'll drain and go out to the creek. Well, it's kinda like building a roof. Well the roof works. It's yeah, but what happens when you get ice crawling up underneath the shingles? Does it work there in the winter? Or when wind blows and it's blowing uphill, you know, and you know, it's like, well it's a floor drain. Water rains downhill not always when you have flood situations. So um, there are ways to block those floor drains, but I, I would uh, go back to that home inspector, ask him and say, are you sure these things are affected or drain into that creek? Because downspout drains can drain into the creek. Um, outdoor drains, uh, French drains, uh, swales, surface water runoff is made. That's called surface water. That's MSD surface stuff uh, or m- municipal. So whatever falls out of the sky, hits the ground, and goes to the creek, should never theoretically, um, by today's standards, interact with the sanitary sewer until you come over here in the city of St. Louis and the inner, you know, high suburb where MSD put it all together in one thing, and now we're trying to get out of that problem, you know. it.
4: Gotcha. Th- to add to that, though, real quick, if, if, the, if the home inspector is wrong and does go into the municipal sewer system, is capping the drain – an acceptable policy there.
1: Uh, not capping, but I've seen some pretty interesting um, uh, workarounds because there are situations, in, usually in the city, in the urban areas, um, you know, U City, St. Louis City, uh, around the areas that are close to the city where where the downspouts and the sanitary sewer go into one sewer and then it all gets treated by MSD. Well, in the last 20, 30 years, MSD is, wait a minute, I don't need to pay this much money to train, to tr- to uh, treat rainwater. Let's say Separate that. Well, the systems aren't built that way. But, you know, out in the county where there's enough room, your sanitary floor drain should never um, be affected by the sewers, unless where that sewer system dumps to can't get rid of its own water. Your drain may back up that way. So if you saturate and the actual your your sewage treatment plant can't get rid of its uh, offfall, then there's a problem. That may be the case. In which case, I've seen people stick standpipes in those floor drains, um, plug them up with uh, test plugs. What's called a test T plug. Uh, that by you know, so on a temporary basis, yes. So people that have had these problems know the workaround, and that's why they sealed them off. Um, but you know, it's unusual to cover them over permanently.
4: Okay. Well, Scott, I really appreciate your help. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, it's hard for me to give you a yes or no, because there are a lot of reasons things get done. And and, and those, you know, I'm sure there are people shaking their heads saying, well, our floor drain backs up when it rains. Well, that's because the sewer treatment system gets flooded and there's no way for the water to go. So I'd ask a few more questions. Well, this questions. was done by the
4: homeowner, too. So.
1: Well, the cap-off was, but the way it was installed should be kosher, should all be good. Yeah, yeah. To code.
4: But yeah. Thank you very much.
1: All right, good question, Wayne. Thanks. Bye. Home improvement, Scott. Let's see what's happening with my friend Dale. Hey, Dale, Scott Mosby here. How can I help?
5: Yes, uh, the, the the lady, the first caller, uh, was on the same topic as I on this gutter system. So huh? you answered a lot of the questions, so you don't have to cover the same material. Okay. By the way, that uh, your your previous caller, sewer system, that subject, we have a problem with in though.
1: <laughs> oh yeah yeah uh, it, a, a lot of people listening have um you know flooded sewer systems that back up through, yes, fr- you know yes. just kinda unfortunate, but it is
5: and, and we got a combination of some runoff going into the sewer well oh, i have the house is itself is that way and yeah. look at the carport was way more about the house anyway yeah, yeah. um uh, the gutter system uh I'm trying to take with. you know you mentioned leaf guard uh-huh. and and I guess you mentioned gutter helmet yep uh, when you went to, when you talk uh, hooded systems you're talking about oh, they both. Referring to both those type of uh, designs.
1: Yeah, those are both hooded. Those are both hooded systems. One is all in one piece, and one is an add-on to an existing good gutter yeah. system. And and the, you know, those the, the gutter helmet guys tend to straighten out the gutters, so they don't just stick something on. They they fix the gutters, get them right, and then put their hoods. And that's where you know they're going to cost a little bit more than just sticking something on an existing gutter and calling it good.
5: Yeah. Well, actually, the Leaf Guard itself is a heavier unit. And it's it, it's more expensive right. than going to gutter helmet rot. Here's uh-huh. my here's my my uh, problem, of, uh, con- considerably a problem, perhaps, is the soffits itself. They uh-huh. hang the uh, leaf guard right onto the soffit, uh, according to what I understand. On the well, f- on I, the fascia, I, I on the actual
1: gutter the, board fascia, the face of the
5: yeah, this is an older house, and I'm wondering uh, how what the integrity is of the soffit how it's fastened to the I guess it's... Would they nail it onto the rafters?
1: Well, they'll refuse to install their gutter if they don't have good good wood or can't get connectivity. So when the rep comes out to look around, you know, good companies are going to inspect what they're hanging yeah. on and to, and the better companies are just going to sell you something and, you know, change order to you later.
5: Yeah, for a few dollars more, they will actually make sure the software's integrity is there uh, and yeah. you know, replace it.
1: <laughs> right on. But, go ahead. Yeah, no, I just, I totally agree. It just, you know, it, it better companies do a better job because they're they have time to pay attention.
5: Yeah, yeah, I, I like I like the leaf guard. It's a heavy unit. I yeah. like the way they, and I got I got valleys.
1: Oh yeah, they're and, they're a handful. Uh, they're. Yeah.
5: It seemed like the leaf guard will take the water off the valley much better because they got a, they don't go exactly ninety degrees. They got a little forty five two forty fives there at at a corner. Right. Uh, right.
1: But think and, uh, about it, think about it, a hooded system whether any kind any kind of a wo- or metal cap on the gutter. Think of skipping a rock across a pond. You get close enough to the parallel of that water surface, you can skip that rock. If you have a a, a water flying down with a lot of velocity in a valley, and valleys are inherently about a third flatter than the two angles of the roof. Um, carpenters yeah. out there know what I'm talking yeah, about.
5: Yeah, I understand that.
1: You can skip that water right off the roof of that uh, that lid of that uh, hood. So you know, it just is what it is. Yeah, I okay. still like them. I you know, it's what I have. So
5: yeah, you you uh, you you're talking about the leaf guard or? The... Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a heavier unit and it costs more, but it, it, it it's 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 solid. I like it. Yep. And uh, I'm concerned about the soffit itself and the integrity of whether it's wise to rip off the old gutter, <laughs> which is probably the old oh, yeah. gutter is not that old. We've had yeah. gutters just put on about, I don't know, eight, ten years ago.
1: Dale, I'm going to have to get going here, though. Yep.
5: Yeah. Okay.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I know. And, and Dale brings up a good point. It Don't put good money on top of that, make sure you've got a good securing system uh, and, and, you know, your better companies take more time. Uh, you know, they cost more because they take the time and they solve those problems around there included in those proposals or just say, no, you have to get this fixed first. Anyway, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby at your service having a good time. Thanks for the calls. I love you, too.
0: Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX.
1: Oh, man, I'm having a good time. I sure hope you are, too. I love this stuff. I I just love this stuff. It's a little bit of a gladiator. You know, am I going to show up with the right answer? Can I draw back? Can I remember that stuff from 40 years ago, 20 years, two years? What's the name of that product? What was the name of that elbow on... Anyway, it's uh, wait, maybe too much going on inside my head. Uh, there may be medication for that, but yeah, so far I've escaped that. Let's see what's cooking here with Steve. Hey, Steve, Scott here. How can I help you, friend? Hey, Scott. Yes, sir. I was calling to find
6: out. I am in the process of restaining my deck. Mm-hmm. We started off with one product, and the stain, the color that we picked out, didn't look right when we started staining the deck. I went back up to the place I bought it. And they said, "Oh, just give it a few days. it'll it'll lighten up." Well, it did, but it got worse, not even close to what we wanted. And I had already done a substantial part of my deck. but in the, in the meantime, we decided to go a different route and go in with a, a tinted a tinted stain, okay you know, a gray, a gray decking with white um, rails and everything else. Now that that first part of the deck that I stained already? Mm-hmm. Do I have to power worse head back off again before I can put the new stain
1: on there? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, here, here's here's the question I'm hearing. Um, do I have to take a shower before I t- put on my deodorant? Or or am I just going to put on the deodorant over the deodorant? It's like, no, nah, no. Nah, you need a good substrate. You need a clean and solid chunk of wood to stain or seal, you've got to get rid of that old stuff. Otherwise, you're going to have one and one is equal to three because pigment A, color depth, plus pigment B, does not result in pigment B. You're, you're going to wind up with a chemical combination of those two colors. Uh, you're going to be really off to the races there, Steve. So absolutely, you've got to not power washer. You've got to strip that, scrub it. Um, and most of those stains, you know, are designed to last a few years. You've got your hands full getting that stuff off. No, that's not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, brother. I'll send you some good mojo here through the air. But, brother, you you in
6: because, yeah, I mean it's it's like uh, probably a twelve by fifteen part of a deck and a pergola over that whole deck.
1: Yeah, you probably That's cleaned I've it. already
6: got the, the yeah, new stain that we don't like on there.
1: Yeah, you're you're in big league time. This you're you're nigh on to stripping the stain off that deck. And for example, when decks get sealed or restained, typically they get power washed and stripped if there's any stain on there and sometimes sand it off depending upon where the splotches are. So yeah, you're in you're in you're in the top drawer of um, complexity of getting that stuff off and and do not put anything good over uh, that old stain whether it's 3 years old or 3 days old.
6: Oh yeah, it's just a couple of weeks old. Yeah, man. Um, so what what is the best way to strip it?
1: Uh deck stripper. Deck, there's a deck cleaning and stripping compound and sometimes paint stripper gets in there which really messes with your plants you have to dilute protect your plants uh, if you're gonna, if you're going over this with something and want a good successful process you've got to get rid of all the old stuff you know it, you just can't control chemically what's going to happen with the combination of two of these products.
6: okay and how does that deck how does that deck stripper apply? Uh, you roll on, brush on.
1: Uh, you you roll it on. You let it sit. uh, Small sections usually at a time for the deck cleaning strip. You can't do the whole thing because if it dries, basically it kind of melts this stuff and then it all freezes back on when it dries. Uh, Follow the instructions very carefully. This you may be into a professional, you know, deck strip and clean uh, service on this. If you're asking me these questions, you're you're in, you know, you're in over your head. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. So, I, I you know, I don't mean anything b- b- about that, but, but I get it over my head, too. The, the, the path to success may be finding somebody that knows and has the equipment to take you wherever you're going to go. Know what I mean?
6: Yeah. yeah. So does your company do that kind of work?
1: Uh, we will, but there are companies that do only that kind of work that I would pretty much direct you to. So thank you for that invitation. Um, but we tend to do it as part of a different, bigger job. So uh, I'd, I'd get some of the deck cleaner and stripper companies to uh, talk to them. Okay. All right. All right. Thank good, you. Good luck, my friend. Bye now. Bye. Sorry about that. I mean, sometimes I can help with a source and sometimes I can't. Uh, but I, I, this is a big deal. Um, uh, getting a contractor to fix midstream something that's off the rails, you know that's a that's a big deal uh, because they're going to wind up being responsible for you know what you know is whatever they can do. Uh, let's see what's cooking on here and see what's happening with D. Hey D, Scott Mosby, how can I help you?
2: I have a gas barbecue pit. It's an old one that I got from a gas company, mm-hmm. and I have to replace it. Do you know of any place that has that type of barbecue pit?
1: Oh, sure. the
2: kind that you turn on like you would do your gas stove.
1: Oh, sure. I think Laclede Gas still does that, too, by the way.
2: They still do that? Oh,
1: yes, ma'am. I believe so uh-huh, yeah, I, I think they have a showroom. uh they're called I think it's spire now s p i r e, but they have that. There are fireplace and barbecue places all over town. A fireplace shop generally will have barbecue places. Uh, for example, you know, there's one out in Fenton called Victorian Sales, and they have gas fireplaces, and they have gas barbecues, and they install, and, uh, you know, there's an, you know, Jeffco uh, has one right down at Jeffco Boulevard, that very good company that does the same. So there's all kinds of choices oh, out there. Oh,
2: well, thank you very much. I really like this one because it's so easy to use.
1: Yeah, and you know, I'd start with the gas company, see what's cooking on that if you like I, it, how that works. This
2: is about my second one. And um, it's been, I've had it for 60 years. Well, had not this one, but I've had one for 60 years.
1: Yeah. No, I, I like them too. I like oh. the convenience. Turn the button and pfft, on it goes. That's
2: it. Yes. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> okay, Dee, take Thanks. care. Bye. Bye. Home Improvement, KMOX. Let's see what's cooking here. And uh, let's do uh, Ann. Hey, Ann, Scott here. How can I help?
2: Yes, somebody plugged too many things into an outlet, and there was no power. So I went downstairs to check the fuse box to see if a circuit breaker had tripped, and it had not. Okay. Uh, I turned the whole thing off and reset everyone in the house, and still there's no power. So what happened?
1: Uh, where, what room is it in, Anne?
2: It's in a bedroom.
1: Um, sometimes, uh, bedrooms, uh, erroneously will be run off a ground fault, a GFI. Do you have any of those push button outlets in your house?
2: Other in other rooms, in the bathrooms and kitchens.
1: Yeah, try tripping those. Sometimes when you have something funny, it either failed and fried your breaker, and you're going to need an, an electrician. But before you do that, go around and reset every one of those GFCIs inside the house, in the garage, basement, every place, because sometimes the electricians add them on to places that don't make sense, but they work.
2: Okay, I haven't noticed that any of the of those have.
1: Yeah, I understand. The, have
2: the red button.
1: Well, after that, you're into a licensed electrician to come do some big light work.
2: Okay, thank you.
1: All right, bye now. Bye-bye. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX.